I spent time you know, literally fighting governments and, and carriers and you name it. And I won most of the time, thank goodness. But had I not, I would have yeah. been in a hole many, many millions of dollars. <laughs> Still a nightmare nonetheless. <laughs> You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Louch and Jason Hunt. Our mission with this show is to discuss all things business, digital marketing, sales, and mindset. It's our hope to empower entrepreneurs to get the most from their efforts so that they can focus on what they do best. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Merge Marketing Podcast. My name is David, co-host and producer, along with my partner, Jason Hunt. You're listening to a milestone episode today, episode number 52. That's right. It's our one-year anniversary. First, I would like to uh, give a quick shout-out and thank you to all of our listeners and guests for the support so far. And don't forget to stick around for another great year of content and guests. Today's episode, uh, today's special guest, is Joey Gabra, owner of more than 20 guitars and with just over 30 years of experience experience playing them, Joey, a.k.a. Jay Gabs, has recorded, performed, composed, and taught guitar at some of the highest levels and in countless styles and genres, including jazz, blues, country, folk, rock, metal, punk, pop, and a whole lot more. He is the founder and executive producer of Audio Epidemic, a growing YouTube channel and brand that is geared primarily around all things guitar but also has found its way into the hearts of all music nerds alike. Jay Gabs also plays the ukulele, bass, piano, banjo, and mandolin. When not shredding on the guitar, he is a digital marketing guru, a photographer, and podcast host of the Wisdom Podcast, a successful entrepreneur, and a very proud husband and father of three wonderful wow. kids. Jay Gabs, <laughs> thank you so much, and welcome to the show today. What don't you do? <laughs> that introduction. <laughs> oh, man. And I shortened it. Imagine that. My gosh. <laughs> I, when you read it out loud, it's, it's completely, it just sounds, it's weird, oh, but no, yeah. but that's nice. Thank you, guys. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, no firstly, you. before we dive into anything here, uh, Joey, Tell us a bit. You've got an amazing setup here for all those listening on the podcast can't see the setup. But tell us a little bit about uh, you know the camera setup you have and what's behind you there in your in your home studio. Yeah. So um, this is kind of uh, you know it was it this was meant to be sort of uh, my man cave at the time when we bought the house and um, it still I guess essentially is. But really, what it's become is is my everything. So. Um, as, as David mentioned, I had been, uh, a photographer for years now. And so I've had quite a bit, you know, I still have a lot of equipment in terms of, um, cameras, lighting and all the essentials and, uh, done a bit of videography. So I already had on deck a lot of, uh, equipment for audio visual needs of, of all kinds of variations. And so, uh, while I was getting ready to start this, um, the YouTube channel, you know, I, I already had a lot of things in place to kind of up the production quality a bit. And I learned how to um, integrate a lot of these high quality cameras that I've got into my laptops and computers so, so that the visual is a little cleaner during live streams and things like that. And obviously the lighting helps a lot. So yeah, I've got, you can't see them, but I've got uh, some ring lamps and um, I've got what I'm what I'm talking into right now is a Sony ZV-1 camera, which is kind of the uh, 
the new latest and greatest vlogging camera that uh, that's out there that's you know within a consumer friendly price. Uh, it's a great great camera for this exact purpose. You know, you're not going to use it out in any high level professional type of things, but for vlogging and, and on the go pocket type of things, this camera is one of the best I've I've, I've ever had. Um, so yeah, that's what we're kind of working with at the moment. And then Joey, all my guitars are yeah. scattered <laughs> everywhere. Joey, do me a favor there. Go on the clubhouse there. We're live on clubhouse now as well. And just unmute yourself. Oh, am I muted? Sorry. Yeah, just keep it unmuted. And there we go. There I'm unmuted go. now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for those that are uh, tuning in live on our Facebook pages and can actually see the, the video quality, you know, the, the quality is next level. It doesn't even compare to Jason and I. So uh, it looks really good. looks like you got a good setup there. So um, diving into uh, today's topic, um, the episode today is going to be all about turning passion into profit, which Joey has done for himself. Um, and hopefully uh, you can too one day because who doesn't want to wake up every single day and do what they're passionate about? So um, I guess my first question is I want to actually stick on your your background a little bit okay. um, because I purposely left something out of the, the intro, out of your intro, and that was that you toured as a singer in a barbershop quartet for a number of years. And my only question to you is what the heck is a barbershop quartet? Uh, okay. So I, some, yeah, that's funny. Some people probably know, some people don't. It depends on, on, oh gosh, a, a number of things, but it's, it's literally a quartet. If you're, if you're, if you've seen a lot of these sort of acapella groups, um, you know, in the, in the vein of like a boys to men or whoever, who, you know, just three or four, well, in a quartet, it's four people singing, um, acapella, four part harmonies and barbershop is a very old school, traditional style of, um, the old, like sort of Coney Island barbershop days. There's a long history. It's actually really interesting, but we don't have the time for it, but yeah, the, uh, the I coming out of high school, I had been in a bunch of these music groups and clubs and things like that. And I met up with a few guys and um, strangely enough, there was a barbershop quartet chapter in my town. And so we went and I, I had I was interested in learning more about music. I didn't really think this was going to go outside of this little chapter and, and become a thing. But uh, I spent all my time with a lot of these really old, awesome dudes uh, hanging out, singing music. I never thought in a million years I'd have any part of. Um, I sang the bass in a group of four and these four, these, these guys in the chapter, they essentially championed us. They thought we were really good and they liked the idea of young people sort of making their way into a very old person, old community uh, type of, of music. And it was kind of breathing fresh air into something that they felt needed it. And so, yeah, they backed us completely. They threw us into a few tournaments and uh, competitions and things like that. And it turned into a, a real thing. Like, so like, tour. were you, were you playing in barbershops or is that? Uh... No. Okay. The, the, the term bar barbershop quartet was because at the time of, um, I mean, it's so many years, like, you know, early 20th century type of thing at the time they were it was it was something that they would do at barbershops I guess back in the day you know a lot of these guys uh would hang out the barbershops were places where where men would hang out you know it's it was like going to the bar and, and socialize and that kind of thing and they'd get together and sing really you know kind of cheeky fun music um about stuff 
all kinds of stuff. If you look it up, it's actually kind of interesting. So that's where the name came from, essentially. But no, it would, uh, these days it has nothing to do with an actual <laughs> barbershop at all. Gotcha. More that's of style. Of yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. So maybe, uh, Joey, maybe you talk a little bit about um, your business past. I mean, you're a digital marketing guru. You have a, a lengthy history in working with affiliate marketers and stuff yeah. like that. Maybe you can give us a little a little um, information on what you've done there and your expertise. Sure. Um, so my background is it's it's an interesting one in the sense of, of kind of how I fell into a lot of the stuff I was doing. Um, I was I was very firm on uh, the notion that I was going to do work that I well, first of all, I, I, I wasn't so much focused on my passion, you know, which was really music and rock and roll. And I knew that was probably going to be a long shot in terms of being a rock star. But I wanted to make sure wherever I landed, it was going to be in work that I really loved, even if it wasn't something that was, you know, deep, deep down inside like music. I wanted to love the work. And so I had always been kind of a nerd at heart. And back then, uh, gosh, in the maybe late 90s, early 2000s, I was in school studying computer science and learning, you know, this is when websites were just kind of turning into a thing and becoming more dynamic and, and interesting. And SEO was still a, a very niche little thing that people didn't understand yet. And so I started learning a lot about that stuff. And I got into essentially, you know, sort of an, the early phases of, of internet marketing, um, in the be very beginning of Google AdWords and things like that, where we were starting to learn how SEO and indexing and keyword targeting, all that stuff was at the time was super high level, crazy stuff. And um, so that's where I started dipping my toes into that world. And as, as uh, that technology in the industry started evolving and things around mid 2000, when some crazy guy said, Hey, I'm going to make a phone that you can actually touch with your hands and screens. And, um, I'm going to stick a really pretty looking fruit on the back and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so right around 2006, the Apple comes around and it changed everything. And um, what was interesting was at the time, a lot of the products that people were building for these devices, uh, you know, because now we've got these touch screens at uh, touch screens and they're more, they're visually that, you know, the quality is nicer and you can stream proper Wi-Fi and actually watch things and consume content at a, at a different level in the palm of your hand. And that, became a whole new thing. Um, and I was there for that whole kind of evolution of it. It was really interesting being on the uh, sort of the tech and the marketing side of that as it was becoming a thing, you know, apps were, there were, you know, I remember when there were 10 apps in the, in the app store, it was wild. And so at the time, companies who were building products for those devices, there weren't a lot of people out there who had experience yet in the mobile industry and in the mobile, you know, what we call mobile optimization, which is essentially creating a product that you would normally create online on a, on a website, but making it more mobile friendly. So we called it mobile optimization and uh, they needed anybody with any sort of internet marketing background, um, you know, who's savvy enough to kind of understand this and that. And at the time the Palm pilots and the blackberries were still pretty hot. And uh, I was a, gigantic nerd for those devices as it was. So the app, the iPhone was like, <laughs> so, you know, um, I started working with a company that focused solely on mobile optimization. And um, back in the day, there was the, the mechanism behind how you built the product and how you monetize the product in terms of billing. Um, you know, the most annoying thing about paying for things over the phone was having to you know type in all your information credit card address all your billing info into this little tiny form 
Um, and so we had worked on ways to better monetize, to, be, to better collect money, um, which we called direct carrier billing at the time. And that was just simply a, a much more seamless process for when you wanted to pay for anything, um, whether it was content or services or product, um, you could simply say yes, or, you know, I, you know, that you agree to pay. It's usually one or two buttons and you'd automatically get billed by your mobile carrier, whether it was a T-Mobile or Verizon or whoever, uh, any mobile carrier out there. Um, and this made it really nice. It was, it was a trusted, um, easy process to collect money for a number of things that you could do over the phone. Um, and uh, it, it blew up. It was the, probably the biggest, you know, at the time, depending on the product, anywhere from gambling to games to a number of different things that you can think of um, to be able to monetize and collect money that easily. And now it just made everything that happens on these little devices that much more efficient and effective and fast. Um, and that's where things really started snowballing, uh, snowballing in the business um, payment method and wallets and solutions like that were becoming more important, you know, for the user experience and the flow than a lot of times would, a lot of people would argue back then that was more important than the actual product. Um, and, uh, and I, I agree there was a time when it probably was. So yeah, that, that became what it was. The products essentially sold themselves. You know, we just had to be there and make sure we were making things mobile friendly. We were kind of getting them out there in a number of ways. Um, Again, kind of going back to what SEO and AdWords and affiliate marketing um, in the early stages, it was a very different thing than what it is now. Um, but the concepts are still, you know, all relatively the same, but you just had to kind of stay ahead of it because it was constantly chasing, changing and uh, affiliates were always getting more creative with how they were going to be affiliates and, and the offer owners and, and the, the networks. Everybody had to come up with neat new ways to do stuff because mobiles, tablets, you know, and, and the, and the internet was changing. It was getting faster. It was getting stronger. Um, and the devices, obviously the quality was getting a lot better. And so, yeah, that's essentially, I guess the long story or the long and short of where it all started for me. Um, you know, and the evolution of it all up to now is you know, 10 more of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that. You know, I, yeah. um, I remember back in the day when you, when, I had my first cell phone. It wasn't even a smartphone. You could purchase something and it would just bill your carrier directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot all about that. Is do you know if that's still a thing? Can you still do that? Yeah. So it's still a thing, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what it, what it's become because of how, uh, especially after the touch screens um, sort of changed the way we, we do a lot of things, the first two, three years, it was relatively unregulated. Um, mm. It meant anything, good, bad, or ugly, uh, what we would call high risk in, in a lot of the digital media industry. So anything from gambling or anything of the adult nature um, meant it was pretty easy to pay for stuff like that because it mm. wasn't very well regulated yet. And uh, which was great for the people who were, who owned the billing solutions, mm -hmm. um, but not really great for the parents or not really great for the people who's, you know, when the kids would take their somebody's phone and buy a game or buy credits or buy anything they shouldn't be buying. Um, and then that would turn into a high level of complaints to those yeah. mobile carriers. Uh, so what eventually over two, three years after, you know, companies like mine were just raking it in because of that lack of regulation, 
the the carriers in our case in in the states it was verizon who kind of came down first and said look guys um love that we're all making money but we care about our customers more than we care about what what's going on here and so we need to start regulating it and so there were over the years there would be quarterly updates on these compliance and regulation mandates that were put in place so that said yes it's still around now it's obviously changed quite a bit and the, the regulations book is gigantic um and now the regulations are uh like country by country every country every carrier uh has a different set of regulations and they can change literally every three months um and the uh the penalties for not complying with those regulations nowadays are significant um when I was dealing in that space, uh, one of my biggest markets and, and where I started to really penetrate that aspect of digital media was in Europe um, because they were a little less, um, you know, they're, uh, they're a little easier going with things out there uh, in Europe than we might be in the, in the US. Um, so they, their regulations were a little looser and it was a little easier for companies like mine to make more money on certain things. And so, um, you know, we, we made a real big dent out there and now uh, towards the end when it became a bit more regulated for the same reasons, um, the fines and the penalties were in the millions and I spent a good chunk of my time. Um, you know, a lot of it's, it, it's, it's so open to fraud, fraudulent activity as well. So you, it might not be a penalty that landed on me or my company, but mm -hmm. something that somebody we were connected with might have done something, who knows mm -hmm. what. Um, but because I was the solution owner, I had to deal with it. And uh, I spent I spent time, you know, literally fighting governments and and carriers and you name it. And I won most of the time, thank goodness. But you know, had I not, I would yeah. have been in the hole many many millions of dollars. <laughs> still a nightmare, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it is to just to answer your question. It is still around. It's still used pretty regularly. I'd say it's more commonly seen in um, the lower risk type of things these days. Uh, you won't see it so much at all in those kind of gambling and adult and those type of things. They don't really mess with it anymore. We're going down this road and this rabbit hole of mobile carrier billing. Which is, uh, <laughs> well, not what the premise of this episode was about, but it's totally fine because it gives some context into what we really want to talk about because you're a super technical guy, Joey. Um, you know, you, you appreciate technology and, um, and then, you know, it came to a point now for you where you said you have this passion, you played in tons of bands, you're, you know, you're, you're a alcoholic and you just then it came to a point where it's how can i monetize this passion that i have for guitars for music and how can i blend these two into something that can give me some monetary gain right yeah maybe talk about how you came to that and why didn't you do it earlier and, and how you actually came to this you know this crossroads where you blended or merged the two yeah that's a really good question um you know it's it'd be safe to say that it'd been in the back of my mind for a long time um with the work uh, that I was in and, you know, Jason, you guys know this well, we were, we traveled a lot. We spent a lot of time away from home um, in the digital media space. You spend a good chunk of your time traveling, you know, to, to trade shows or business meetings. Um, it's a, it's a networking game and you can't really, before COVID, it wasn't really a thing to do any sort of networking at the office or at home. You had to be out there. And so that's the first answer. I just didn't have the time. I was out of the country you know, maybe two weeks a month for a while. Um, so even if I used the other two weeks to, to take care of Joey and, and his music needs, I was exhausted and jet lagged at the time. Yeah. So I had all these guitars and they were mostly collecting dust for a good chunk of time. And that broke my heart. Um, 
and not just because of that, but because above anything, I was uh, I'm a creative person. It didn't necessarily have to be in music, but I did need to kind of nurture my creative needs one way or another. So that's where photography came into play. Um, a camera was something I could take with me everywhere. And uh, I, I did just that. And um, because I because I I need that creative sort of fulfillment. It's also uh, a part of me that always my, my strongest desire when I get into things like that hobbies or whatever it is, is to be really good at it. I didn't just pick up a camera, buy some really sweet gear and then hope that the pictures turned out like I would really I dived into it, wanted to learn the art and be able to speak the language and understand other photographers and how they were doing. So uh, it was a big deal for me to, 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 to get involved in that and to really attempt to be good at it. Um, and that did work out, you know, eventually I found people who were willing to pay me to take pictures for them and do all kinds of neat stuff like that. So, um, that happened by accident. It wasn't the plan to make a living as a photographer, but it thankfully worked out the way that it did. Um, and it gave me a little bit of that creative nurturing that I, that I mentioned. Um, now three years ago, I moved my family out here to Texas in San Antonio and, uh, I brought everything with me, and um, one of the things I'd always said is if I could, if I could make the time, if I find a way, you know, San Antonio and Texas in general is a big music scene, mm. and uh, I said if I'm going to find people to make music with or jam or just just to have some sort of music around me, this is probably going to be a good place to do it. So I'd made it a goal to kind of make that happen once the dust settled and and we felt more at home here in Texas, and so about a year ago I finally joined up with a band, and on to above that, or just before that, uh, my partner in Audio Epidemic, uh, a guy by the name of Kelly, him and I had the idea to, to launch a podcast where we were just going to talk about the stuff we like to talk about. It really didn't, it really wasn't meant to make money or do well. It was just something we wanted to do because him and I, uh, love each other and we, we have a lot to say and, uh, we, have, we, we just really connect well. And so, it turned out the podcast, it, it, it's a po the podcast, if you listen to it, is more like two dorks just <laughs> talking on the phone for a couple hours. We could go for days, but we had a lot of common interests in tech and in music. And then he was getting ready to start a family. Uh, he just had a, had a baby that or he was having a baby at the time. And I got three myself. So we it, it became a big part of what we did with the podcast, uh, you know, integrating family life into our interests and our hobbies and our passions and that's blah, 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 blah. So to kind of get to the point of your question, what brought me to audio epidemic, which I think a lot of people can understand, um, was, was COVID. Um, I spent the last nearly 10 years traveling and that suddenly came to a screeching halt. And, uh, when it occurred to me that I wasn't going to be leaving here anytime soon, I finally said, you know, I'll, pick up my guitar. I'll play it a little bit. Maybe uh, Kelly and I would dabble in making music. He's, he's in Philadelphia and I'm here in Texas and we would, you know, share tracks with each other and try to make songs and just do anything just to, you know, over the internet. And um, yeah. And then the idea came, he started a, a drum channel um, and I liked it and it was doing well enough. And uh, that intrigued me. I said, well, you know, I have all the cameras, I've got all this stuff. Um, while I'm stuck here at home dealing with this whole pandemic thing, I might as well put it to good use. So 
that was it. And Kelly has a background in editing. Uh, he's, he's quite good at it. And he's been helping me kind of up the production value and learn how to make the content better and, and optimize over time. So yeah, that's what landed us here. Basically, it was just simply having a lot of time on my hands for once <laughs> in my life. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey there, Jay here. Thank you so much for listening to the Merge Marketing Podcast. It would mean the world to David and myself if you could leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We are so invested in bringing you so much value that we would love to hear what you have to say. We'd love to hear if you have any suggestions for upcoming guests. Whatever it is, we're here to serve you. Okay, keep it rocking, be good, and keep listening. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, and, and yeah. you know, it's it's funny. I I always love to see when digital marketers or marketers become entrepreneurs and make that transition because it's such a it just seems so practical. I mean, you know how to brand yeah. uh, a company, you know how to market a company, you know how to sell yourself or products, and so it just makes a lot of sense. And mm -hmm. I think that that's probably benefited you as you now start your new journey with audio epidemic. So a um, couple questions here. One, with audio epidemic, are you doing basically all the marketing yourself? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I am. Um, well, you know, Kelly and I together, he, he, he's, a, he's the equal part of audio epidemic, but yeah, we're, we're doing it and we're obviously uh, leveraging what experience and knowledge I have on, uh, you know, in the digital media side of things. Um, which has been helpful. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the difference is that, you, you know, YouTube is just a different beast. Um, you know, a lot of the really smart, clever things I learned over the years almost don't apply. I mean, yeah. almost they don't, they just don't apply. And so, yeah, and that's forced me to kind of learn new things, which I'm always happy about and find new ways to go about things and new tools I never thought I'd use and new a number of, you know, but yeah, so yes, I do all the marketing, um, and it has been almost a year, this April will be one year and it's been a really, um, enlightening year in terms of these new means to market that type of content. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's your main method or channel of communication is your YouTube channel. And, and I was taking a look at it, um, before the podcast and, you know, you've been able to amass quite a, a sizable following there and in, in still under a year, which is really, mm -hmm. really impressive. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your YouTube journey and, and how it's gone and, and maybe some advice for people starting out that, you know, want to grow a few thousand yeah. subscribers in, in under a year, which again is uh, very impressive. So there's, there's a, I don't know that. Um, so there are certain things that I think apply globally to anybody who has a YouTube channel. Um, mm -hmm. And then there are certain things that really only apply to an, a niche sort of channel like mine, which is really focused towards guitar players and musicians and um, that kind of thing. But essentially, you know, I started it in a real guerrilla style, you know, I, we, we created the channel, Kelly and I focused on making the content good, the production quali uh, quality, I wanted it to, I wanted it to start at a high level and, and look impressive from the start. And right now, the neat thing about that is these days, it's, it's easy to do that on a shoestring budget. It's a lot easier than it used to be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you can edit a video relatively well, and you can now, you know, some of the, the more low end cameras, 
that are available now are so good compared to what we had a year, two years ago. The bar is just higher for cheaper, which is nice. So you can yeah. you can you can shoot a nice product and and, and all that stuff, um, and then it just really becomes about how you want to deliver that, you know, and how you want to present it. Um, and that's where the work really comes in. You know, uh, we have a vision for what we want to produce with each episode, um, you know, and I have to decide because it's, there's so many different things I want to do in this channel where from lessons to reviews to just fun, random things, cover songs. There's a lot of little things I want to go there. I'm taking all the, my favorite parts of, uh, all the other guitar channels that are out there and trying to kind of melt it into one thing. Um, and that's a big, it's a delicate balance because it, it, you can you can become unfocused, but at the same time, I'm establishing that this is going to be a channel that will will offer a number of interesting things as long as I as long as I do it well. Okay, so Joey, before you get into that, I think you hit yeah. on a really good point. There is understanding when you go to launch or you go to market. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people try to do the trial and error when they get to that point and and test things out. And and when somebody goes to your channel for the first time and they don't like a certain video or it comes off as a little amateur esque, yeah. people you, you lose that person forever. Yeah. And I think what you did, and I know because I spoke with you about this, was finding some of those people in that industry that you wanna you wanna find your own carve out your own niche within that industry yeah. and see a, you're not a replica of somebody else, but but you're your own self with that, that can still touch on that same audience that all those other people similar to you are, are, are garnering that following. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's exactly it. I, I knew I wasn't reinventing anything and I wasn't, you know, I, I it was, it was just going to be about my point of view um, on things that I already knew that, you know, the, 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 there's millions of guitar channels out there and there, and a lot of them are really good. Um, and so that's all I really kind of, I wanted to come at it with a, a level of production that I could feel really proud about presenting and to know that even though there's, uh, you know, there's 10, eight to 10 different things I want to really delve into with this channel. Um, as long as I'm committed to presenting those eight to 10 things really well, um, whether it's meant to be fun or informative or educational, it just has to be done well and produced well. And, and we've, we've kind of found our sweet spot with that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then when it came time to start really presenting it to the masses and seeing if this was actually going to catch any heat, um, you know, that's what, that's what I meant by that sort of gorilla approach to it. I did what everybody does. I kind of went into all the groups and the boards and the forums and, um, started, you know, in the, in the least spammy way possible. Um, you know, if I did a video that was teaching you about the major scale on a guitar, then I'd find groups and topics and discussion threads specifically about that. So it didn't seem like I was just throwing my channel out of left field. It makes sense why it's there. Uh, that, that's a great tip, by the way, yeah. for anybody out there that has a podcast or a YouTube channel. One of the great ways to um, to get more eyeballs on it or more ears on it is go out there, look in the Facebook groups. Quora is another one where people are asking questions. Where can I find the answer to this? Mm -hmm. Well, I do it all the time. And it's not spammy because if somebody has, you know, if, for example, this episode, if somebody has a question about how to, you know, monetize a side hustle, I'm going to send them the link to this podcast. It's episode. a no brainer. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, that was, that was kind of how it started. That's where I, I'd say, you know, uh, I, I built the foundation of, of how I was going to establish the channel. Um, you know, and I, I kept my goals realistic because I knew what I was up against. And I, and I know just from being in, in sort of the digital world that, um, it's hard enough, uh, to accumulate, you know, what, you know, the difference between fans and followers and subscribers, you got to know which is which, 
because um, it's easy to get followers, but to get actual fans and build a quality foundation that's actually going to benefit your channel, not just because I know these are people that actually love me and my channel, but they care enough to maybe want to share it. And, and there is enough decent content in there that it's useful for them and for whoever they want to share that with. Um, and so, yeah, I went that approach at first just to make sure that I was delivering the relevant message to the relevant discussion or group or whatever it was going to be. And if I didn't get any backlash from it, then I'd kind of sneak my way in there a little more. I'd always kind of push my way in without being spammy. I always wanted to make sure that I did it with relevance. It made sense why I was there. Um, so social media was obviously a big play there. Um, then when we started collecting enough information, the subscribers started building up. Um, we are using a few tools that, you know, little industry tools that I like, you know, there's a, a tool called TubeBuddy and um, obviously a lot of the Google free tools. We started looking at the data that we were collecting and uh, you could do a lot of competitive analysis and all, all the real typical things you're supposed to do when you have data to start actually scrutinizing. And then I went into full-blown optimization mode. Um, you know, I learned that some of the language and titles and hashtags and descriptions and links, all these things I was using needed changing or needed refreshing. You know, things get stale really fast on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting because I was focusing so much at first on, you know, I'd have these first five videos that I thought were pretty cool and everybody would love. Um, but if you focus too much on trying to, promote stuff you already have on the channel and not enough on just keeping things fresh and new. It actually works against you, which I didn't realize until it started working against me. Um, so the focus became more about making sure that the new stuff is good, fresh, new. It's utilizing a lot of the optimization ideas we, we were carrying in from the stuff we'd learned on, on previous episodes. Um, and that worked, uh, you know, it worked well enough that, you know, the, the channel, we, I, I, if you'd asked me a year ago and we, we put in the effort, but if we were going to break 5,000 users almost in a year, I would have, I would have bet against it just because I know how hard that can be. Um, but it, it boiled down to, again, the, the product's pretty good, I think, but the work we put into making sure enough eyeballs got to it, um, quality eyeballs is really what paid off, uh, you know, and, uh, and it can't stop consistency. Yeah is the one thing I learned, especially during the holidays when, you know, things can just get in the way and you have that slump or that lull, um, you instantly feel the impact of inconsistency instantly. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah it's a lesson learned. Yeah. And there, there was a lot of good lessons in that little rant there um, about how to get started and, and potentially achieve the, the sort of success on YouTube that, that Joey's achieved. And I want to go back to something really quickly that we glazed over because it's a really important distinct, distinct, we need to distinguish it, I think, um, because to the, the title of today's episode is how to turn your passion into profit. And so the easy part is finding your passion which Joey has done in, in music and guitar, and that's great. But then to turn it into profit, he mentioned the difference between fans and followers. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. something really, really important that you need to understand early on because it's easy to fall into the trap of wanting to get that vanity number up. And it doesn't matter who follows you or who likes your page, just get them and, and, and that's it. 
And where that will one day come up to bite you in the ass is when you now want to profit and turn your page and your following into real business. Because if you haven't developed a community or you don't have real fans, then when it comes time to, to sell something or to offer something, no one's going to buy because you just have page likes or you just have followers and, and they're not actually fans. That's a perfect point. And, and the thing that, you know, where, where it becomes interesting in terms of profitability or, or projection of profitability even because um, it takes it takes some time to get there you know you got the goal needed to be set early on for us as to what we wanted to do with this um, you know I hadn't really anticipated the part where we were going to try to start making money and really turning this into a bigger thing than you know than at the time what we thought it would be but we we made a clear objective that we're building a brand here and i don't think depending on 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 the angle you take i don't think you can you can bank completely on the money you generate just from the youtube channel itself mm -hmm. um, which is why i wanted audio epidemic to be more than just a youtube channel in the in, in the sense of a brand um yeah. you know you we everything you see me i'm a walking poster child for this <laughs> thing and uh you know the, we've got our merchandise we've got sponsorships we do contests and giveaways we do a lot of things so we're not leaning entirely on you know the few bucks you a day you make here and there from getting you know a few thousand eyeballs on your on your actual episode there's more to, yeah. to sort of leverage on top of all that and that's that's been neat to be able to build and establish valuable real estate um outside of the youtube channel yeah. At what point, Joey, did did you? At what point? I'm curious. Does YouTube start be, begin to to monetize? Are you, are you able to monetize your content? It's a certain number of views, subscribers. Maybe explain that process. How does that work? Yeah. So uh, I believe it's it's the same across the board. I'm not sure what exceptions there might be, if any. But um, you need to get uh, to to make a penny. Let's say just to get the first penny that they're going to pay you. Um, you have to have a minimum of a thousand subscribers, a minimum of four thousand watch hours. So, cumulatively, cumulatively, the amount of time people are watching your videos needs to equal four thousand hours. Um, it's a lot. I, I yeah. and, you watch, and I watch the little. There's a ticker, and you just see this little minute second thing, and it felt like a hundred years. I can't believe we we did it, but. Um, <laughs> That's that's a struggle, yeah. And I believe there's some amount of views, but the main criteria, first and foremost, to get that first penny out the door, is a thousand subscribers with four thousand watch time hours. And I believe there's supposed. To, I don't think it. Oh, and they will favor you over certain other um, criteria if your videos are longer. So, you know, my videos are typically 10 minutes or more. I have more, somewhat uh, upwards of 20 minutes. They love that because the longer the video, the more ads they can throw around. Um, and, uh, and again, when you're using things like affiliate links and you're really like anything that kind of helps backlink this way or the other. So they do tend to show favor. Uh, I, I believe it's algorithmic uh, favor mm -hmm. in that regard, but the one thing that I know is not algorithmic is your minimums, your minimum subscribers, your minimum hours. Um, and once you hit those sort of uh, milestones, uh, then it's just about momentum. 
which mm-hmm. is big time. It's, it's tough, but more than anything, keeping momentum is just about consistency. Again, it's just yep. keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And as we uh, talk about consistency and and start to wrap things up, what, what's your current content strategy? Like, have you established themes for the content? Do you have, um, you know, a lesson that comes out on this day, uh, uh, a review that comes out on this day? How are you structuring your content right now? So there, that was the original plan was to kind of have a reliable, uh, people know that Joey's going to drop a lesson on Wednesday and a guitar review on Friday. Um, and I attempted, I will, I will attempt to do that as often as possible. Um, what happens in my particular case, because of some of the relationships I've established with the show, I get, which is I think one of the best parts of the show is I get the benefit of, um, music store owners and guitar builders and and people from the communities who want to share their their stuff with me or let me share it with the audience so a lot of times i will get just as an example a, a new product drops you know at midnight tonight and um if i want to benefit from getting as many views and searches and eyeballs on the product as quickly as possible mm-hmm. then i need to do i need to get the product in hand and i need to shoot that episode right now i can't wait a day because then 50 other guys are going to review that product before me. So, and that happens a lot in this case because I'm, I, you know, when I'm doing product reviews for guitars or any sort of gear related things, uh, you can't really plan them, especially if you want to get any sort of exclusivity on it. It's got to happen when it's got to happen. Um, but yeah, the lessons, the things that I can sort of have control over will would absolutely would be um, on, on a reliable, consistent schedule and we are slowly figuring out more and more when instead of me deciding what day that's going to be, I'm letting the audience and the, and the data tell me um, what day that should be. We're finding, you know, that Thursdays and Saturdays are our sweet spot right now. Mm. So I will try my best to stay in that window to deliver the content that people expect during that time. And that helps. Yeah. Perfect. That's awesome. Jay, um, do you got any, uh, anything else before we start to wrap things up here? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Joey, I've known you for years and you've been a, a tremendous brand ambassador for any company you've worked with, uh, worked you. with, and you've had, uh, you've won ton of tons of awards because of it. And, and I'm sure there might be some people out there that might have questions for you. What's the best way they can get in touch with you if they have any questions? Um, I'm, I'm so accessible. Uh, you know, first and I mean, email always works. Joey at audioepidemic.com. Um, I'm accessible and I'm quick to reply. Uh, I'm on all the other, you know, we have audio.epidemic on Instagram. You've got me on Facebook, uh, now clubhouse. Thanks to (laughs) Jason, Jason. Um, so yeah, I'm very accessible. And of course the YouTube channel, you can navigate your way to, to all my uh, points of contact from there as well. Um, so yeah, but I've made sure that I've always been as accessible as possible. And I, I do, I do reply, um, as quickly as I can, but I always do reply personally. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Joey. This has been an incredible episode for me and and kind of just a fun fact uh, for you guys. One of my biggest goals in life, not my biggest, not my only, but one of my <laughs> biggest goals in life <clears throat> is to learn how to play the guitar. I kid you not. It's something nice. that I've always wanted to know how to do and is a dream of mine. And um you I should don't probably you should probably follow audio epidemic. I am going to, and I will yeah, reach I out in the future with any <laughs> lessons. Um, because I will be your number one customer for sure. I'd love to sure. learn one day. So 
Um, there are definitely a few episodes specifically for you on there then. Get in awesome. there. Well, I'm looking forward to checking more of your content out. And before we leave you, we uh, we end our podcast with, with the same question every week. And that is, if you could choose one person, dead or alive, to represent your brand, who would it be and why? Slash, easy. Of course, it had to be. It had to be. Always. That's a no-brainer. Uh, I love it. That was yeah. probably the quickest uh, answer we've had. You knew. You've thought that oh, yeah. out before. So good. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thanks again, Joey. And we really look forward you. to talking to you again soon. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. There we go. Another episode in the books. Joey Gabs, Jay Gabs, uh, dropping it on us. I know some people out there are probably like thinking, like, I, I hope that guy pulls out a guitar and plays or something. <laughs> and uh, I, I know, I know, not the time or place, but if you want to hear Joey, go over to Audio Epidemic on YouTube. He's got tons of amazing videos, super good quality. And I mean, the proof's in the pudding. He developed those that subscriber base uh, very quickly and uh, for good reason. So go and yeah. check it out. I think one of my biggest, the big takeaway, I think, during that episode is what Joey hit on a few times and that's um you know consistency consistency is key as cliche as it sounds but it's so important you got to continue every single week or you know or, or if it's daily every day you just can't stop and you can't let go you know what i mean like hey look at us i mean this is a great podcast episode um to talk about it because it's been 52 weeks this was a one-year episode Yes. I, didn't even, I didn't even realize it. I didn't even think about it. It's week in, week out, we do it, right? But you're right. I mean, this is a milestone. Every week for one year, we had a new guest on, and it, it, it's been great. So yeah, consistency is key. Consistency is key. That is a really good takeaway. And I guess the only other one I can think of is, um, you know, the time is now. If you've been thinking about something that you want to get started and you've been pushing it off, well, you know what? Um, the world has pre presented us with with an opportunity and a perfect moment to jump in. So um, jump in start that YouTube channel, start that business, whatever it is. There's a lot of lessons in today's episode for you to, uh, to get going. And we hope that uh, it brings you some value. And we hope that you subscribe to our podcast. We're out there. We're on Apple, Google, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Go and uh, make sure you uh, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we thank you. We love you for listening. And we'll see you next week.